Casey, are you there? I am here. Hi. Hi. How Hi. you doing, GE? We're doing pretty good today, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. Yeah. I'm. Well, I'm. I, I guess I, I'm doing good. I kind of sounded like Venom there for a second. <laughs> we are doing good. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, today we're going to be going over more Bible stuff, and I am here to give you the rundown about it. And boy, do we have some stuff to go over. Yep. All right. So um, we're going to be talking about more judges today. Uh, the first judge is Tola. Don't need to know a fucking thing about that loser. <laughs> <coughs> and then we have Jared Kushner, which I didn't I didn't know if you knew, but Jared Kushner is in the Bible. Luckily. Um, and then the Israelites, of course, they fuck up again. They serve a bunch of balls and uh, they serve like every other God other than Yahweh. And that really pisses God off. God God get, is pissy with them and rats on them to the Ammonites. Those are the guys that are dressed up a lot like medieval knights, but they're all bullets. Um, <laughs> and the Ammonites oppressed them for 18 years. Uh, the Israelites cried bitch tears for God, but God gives them the proverbial big fuck you and in the sky, which I'm guessing is a cloud formation in the in the in the form of a big bird. Um, and then Israel begs God more and God finally gives in because he's tired of hearing their bitching. <laughs> um, God gives them Jeff. And but I mean, Jeff is kind of bottom of the barrel. He's the bastard son of a prostitute. So, you know, God's like, who's who's the least likely to, that they'll suspect? And it's like, Jeff's our boy. Um, <clears throat> Jeff, I am's the amosexual king, but the amosexuals tell Jeff to fuck off because they don't do I am's because that's a little gay. They're Jeff. Jeff promises to sacrifice whatever is first agreed him out of his house if God helps him defeat these amosexuals. And uh, after defeating the amosexuals, his daughter comes out to greet him. And, you know, of course, the first thing you do when your daughter comes out to greet you is you get naked. I mean, that's what everybody does, right? <laughs> the daughter <laughs> the daughter says, go ahead and burn me, father. And uh, then, but the daughter asked to, that she can frolic in the grass and cry bitch tears because, uh, you know, she's never going to get any vitamin D in her life, if you know what I mean. Uh, and then Jeff burns her alive. Meanwhile, <laughs> <laughs> the the men of Effie are, are mad at Jeff because they didn't get an invite to the slaughter. And uh, Jeff fights Effie for some fucking reason. I guess they were too bitchy with him or something. But he calls on the Gilead Knights or something to beat the Effie. And so the Gilead Knights do. Um, then they kill. Um, oh, they killed 42,000 people for bad pronunciation of some fucking word. That's the only reason why really to kill 42,000 people. <clears throat> no reason at all. <laughs> <clears throat> and then uh, we move on to the next uh, judge because fuck Jeff. Um, and the rest of his reign. Then there's Ibzan. This guy has hoes from different area codes, I'm telling you. And then Elon Musk joins us for the judge's crew, and he only rules for 10 years, and then he dies. Uh, and then, hold on, I get a third page here. I'm having trouble. Oh, it's got one note on it. Some Don of the Abs. He has like 40 sons and 30 grandsons, and they ride on 70 donkeys just to fuck with our heads. And that's that's our Bible study for today. <laughs> Pretty spot on, isn't it, honey? It was it was interesting. I mean, 
to be fair, you did get like some of the major plot points actually right. It was just everything around those plot points that was wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. It seems it seems like I'm doing a little bit better. It, you know, yeah. I'm kind of like the stock market right now when the Democrats threaten the president. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's always up and down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, heathens? How, How y'all doing? doing? So today we're going over more judges stuff, but um, there's like a special note or something, right, KC, about this? Yeah, so we're, well, it, it really pertains more to like where we go from here after this week. So this week we're going to be going over judges 10, 11, and 12. Now, there are still chapters 13 through 21 in judges to go, but... Because the book we're going through is actually the Daily Bible in chronological order, 365 daily readings. Um, it's not a it's got commentary and stuff like that in here, too. It's not like it's just a regular, plain, straight up Bible. Um, they next week, we're actually going to go into Ruth. Then we're going to do some Ruth and then we're going to come back to judges after that. So we're doing today. We're going over uh, Jephthah and five other judges. And then after that, we'll come back and we'll deal with, uh, we'll, we'll get Samson and we'll get um, Micah and we'll find out what happens to the Benjamites and the Danites and all of that. So it, it just has to do with what comes after this because they're actually breaking up the book of Judges, which to be fair, from the beginning of this, they kind of did that mm. with when they pulled out all of the laws and did the law section separately in the first five books of Moses. And so this is not the first time it's happened. It's just a little awkward here, but they're doing it because they're they're placing Ruth, I say, in history loosely. <laughs> <laughs> but in the history of the book, they're placing Ruth in the right timeline of where she would be. So, OK, yeah. All right, so uh, we're not going to be finishing up with Judges this week, which is something we said last week. Yeah, I thought we were finishing up, but we, we aren't. No, we're not. But that's fine, because uh, we can we can stick with story and, and for it to make some kind of coherent sense. I'd rather it be done like that than it yeah. just be all over the place. Um, but anyways, so we're going to be going through Judges today. This is Judges 10, 11, and 12. That we're actually discussing. Yeah. So uh, if you want to flip to your Bible and read along with us, please do. Otherwise, KC, you yeah. want to take it from there? Sure. So uh, in, in Judges chapter 10, we start off with the leadership of Tola. Um, after the time of Abimelech, a man of Issachar, Tola, son of Pua, the son of Dodo, legit, <laughs> Pua, the son of Dodo. Pua, the son of Dodo. <laughs> Not lying. Rose to save Israel. He lived in Shemir, in the hill in the hill country of Ephraim. He led Israel twenty three years, and then he died. He was buried in Shemir. You, you know, you know who smeared the dodos? <laughs> Humans. Yeah. Um. So that's Tola. Uh, next up, we have Jer. Jer. Oh, this is Kush. Yeah, this is who you like to call Jared Kushner. See, uh, just in case you guys don't know, I go Jer, Jared, Jared Kushner, Kush. Yeah. It's logical. Sure. Okay. So he, uh, he, when they say he, they're talking about Tola. Tola was followed by Jer of Gilead, who led the Isra who led Israel for twenty two years. 
He had 30 sons who rode 30 donkeys. They controlled 30 towns in Gilead, which to this day are called Havath Jer. When Jer died, he was buried in Cayman. You know, this is the, the, the trip threes there is kind of like a perfect storm of like, like uh, Bible numerology. Because not only is three a magical number, it's the wisdom of God Mm -hmm. uh, or wisdom of the divine or whatnot. But then you've got three instances of that happening. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of, I don't know. It it seems like that would be a lot, uh, very prophetic or something like that. Yeah. Or he just had 30 sons who he gave a town to rule each of them and they had to travel. So they each had a donkey. Well, yeah, I know. but (laughs) (laughs) I'm just giving you shit. I I know. But it's how they're because, I mean, they could have just said, oh, he had 30 sons with donkeys and everything like that. But it's the and they each ruled a city. It's the visualization of seeing three, 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 though. Yeah. So uh, we already said he died and was buried in Cayman. Now he ruled 22 years. So. After he died, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Obviously. Oh, uh, interesting note here uh, in the entire book of Judges, uh, that phrase is uttered. That exact phrase is uttered seven times, which is another magical number. Yes. All right. They served the Baals and the Ashtoreths and the gods of Aram, the gods of Sid- Sid- Sidon, sorry, the gods of Moab, the gods of the Ammonites, and the gods of the Philistines. Hey, the Ammonites. Mm-hmm. The Ammonites. Um, and because the Israelites forsook their God and no longer served him, he became angry with them. He sold them into the hands of the Philistines and Ammonites. Who, oh, that's harsh. I know. Sold them. What do you suppose he sold them for? I don't know. Probably like a pearl necklace or something. You know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Uh who that year shattered and crushed them for 18 years. They oppressed the Israelites on the east side of the Jordan in Gilead, the land of the Amorites. The Ammonites also crossed the Jordan to fight against Judah, Benjamin and the house of Ephraim. And Israel was in great distress. You know, uh, the Ammonites crossing the river. I don't think their bullets would have survived. Um, I mean, why not? Well, this would have been before the waterproof uh, stuff would have been available. They probably would not have been fighting with guns. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then the Israelites. So this has been going on for 18 years, right? Right. The Israelites cried out to the Lord who they've all of a sudden figured out exists again somehow, because for the last whatever, 18 years, they've been being bad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they've, they've been done doing this multiple e- times. They've been doing evil in the sight of the Lord. Yes. Um, so they cried out to the Lord, we have sinned against you, forsaking our God and serving the Baals. The Lord replied, when the Egyptians, the Amorites, the Ammonites, the Philistines, the city, Sid- Sidonians and the Amalekites and the Moanites oppressed you and you cried to me for help. Did I not save you from their hands? But you have forsaken me and served other gods, so I will no longer save you. Go and cry out to the gods you have chosen. Let them save you when you are in trouble. Ooh, the proverbial fuck you in the sky. Yes, yes. But the Israelites said to the Lord, we have sinned. Do with us whatever you think best, but please rescue us now. Then they got rid of the foreign gods among them and served the Lord. Uh, eventually, he could bear uh, he could bear Israel's misery no longer and brought them a new judge. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
So when the Ammonites were called to arms and camped in Gilead, the Israelites assembled and camped at Mizpah. The leaders of the people of Gilead said to each other, whoever will launch the attack against the Ammonites will be the head of all those living in Gilead. So Jephthah, the Gileadite, was a mighty warrior. Ah, this is Jeff. Yes. His father was Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he wasn't he wasn't the son of Gilead and one of his wives. He was the son of a side bitch. Which is kind of interesting that, like, you know, for all of the shaming of the, you know, multiple partners and polygamy and everything like that, God still chooses to raise up a person like that. You know, but it's fine. It's fine that the Israel or that the men do it. Well, of course. I mean, the women, you just got to, you know, stone. Yeah. So Gilead's wife also bore him sons. And when they were grown up, they drove Jephthah, Jephthah away. You are not going to get any inheritance in our family, they said, because you are the son of another woman. So (laughs) so Jephthah fled from his brothers and settled in the land of Tob, where a group of adventurers gathered around him and followed him. (laughs) It's like, you're the son of another woman. Oh, yeah. Is your mom Becky or Brenda? (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell. (laughs) So sometime later. When the Ammonites made war on Israel, the elders of Gilead went to get Jephthah because you remember he's a warrior. He's a really, really good one. Um, And they went to get him from the land of Tob. Come, they said, be our commander so we can fight the Ammonites. Jephthah said to them, didn't you hate me and drive me from my father's house? Why do you come for me now when you are in trouble? The elders of Gilead said to him, nevertheless, we are turning to you now. Come with us to fight the Ammonites and you will be our head over all who live in Gilead. So basically they tell him you'll be our king. You know, I'm finding it very peculiar that it par- like the internal parallelism that's going on here mm-hmm. because, you know, the Israelites rejected God and then they are crying out to God and then God responds like he did. And the exact same thing is happening with Jeff. Yeah. God picks a reject. Well, yeah. Well, not mm-hmm. only does God pick a reject, but when they come calling on him, he's like, why should I give a fuck now? Yeah. And like God does the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, so Jeff, Jeff, the answers, suppose you take me back to fight the Am- Am- Ammonites and the Lord gives them to me. Will I really be your head? The elders of Gilead replied, the Lord is our witness. We will certainly do as you say. So Jephthah went with the elders of Gilead and the people made him head and commander over them. And he repeated all of his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Then Jephthah Jephthah sent messages to the Ammonite king with the question, what do you have against us that you have attacked our country? See, this is the part where Jeff IMs the ammo sexual king. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. Uh, And (laughs) the king of the Ammonites answered Jephthah's messengers. uh, Messengers. When Israel came up out of Egypt, they took away my land from Arnon to the Jabbok, all the way to the Jordan. Now give it back peacefully. Uh, So Jephthah responds and sent messengers back to him. And they said, this is what Jephthah says. Israel did not take the land of Moab or the land of the Ammonites. But when they came out of Egypt, Israel went through the desert to the Red Sea and on to Kadesh. Then Israel sent messengers to the king of Edom saying, give us permission to go through your country. But the king of Edom would not listen. They sent also to the king of Moab and he refused. So Israel stayed at Kadesh. Next, they traveled through the desert, skirted the lands of Edom and Moab, passed along the eastern side of the country of Moab and camped on the other side of Arnon. 
they did not enter the territory of Moab for the Arnon, for Arnon was its border. Then Israel sent messengers to the Sihon king of the Amorites who ruled in Heshbon and said to him, let us pass through your country to our own place. Sihon, however, did not trust Israel to pass through his territory. And he mustered all of his men and encamped at Jehaz and fought with Israel. Then the Lord, God of Israel, gave Sihon and all of his men into Israel's hands and they defeated him. Israel took over all the land of the Amorites who lived in that country, capturing all of it from Arnon to the Jabbok and from the desert to the Jordan. Now, since the Lord, the God of Israel, has driven the Amorites out before his people of Israel, what right have you to take it over? Will you take what your God, Chemosh, gives you? Likewise, Chemosh, they mentioned the name of another God here, uh-huh. which I think is interesting. Likewise, whatever the Lord our God has given us, we will possess. Are you better than Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab? Did he ever quarrel with Israel or fight with them? For 300 years, Israel occupied Heshbon, uh, Areor, and the surrounding settlements, and all the towns along Ar- Arnon. But didn't you retake them by during that time? I have not wronged you, but you are doing wrong by waging war against me. Let the Lord, the judge, decide the dispute this day between the Israelites and the Ammonites. The king of Ammon, however, paid no attention to the message Jephthah sent him. So basically he goes through the whole story that we talked about after, um, well, Moses, after he came back down from the mountain and took them through the desert. You remember they contacted the kings, asked him to go through. They said no and then attacked them. Uh, the the other communities attacked the Israelites, and they took their land that way. So that's what they're arguing about it, right now. Yeah, but it, it's isn't it amazing the selective memory these Israelites seem to have? Yeah, they remember fucking Moses and like the just sort of an off the wall. Hey, can we you know, move through your land? And the the guy's like, No, you can't. <laughs> and like they remember that shit, but they can't remember like the six other times. Or, well, I don't know how many times it's been just now, but uh, the other times that Israel did evil inside of the Lord and the Lord let them be enslaved or sold them for whatever um, <clears throat> into slavery. Yeah, it's like, like they when they don't have a leader, they forget everything else. But then now all of a sudden they remember all of this shit. It's very strange. Yeah, it's, it's very, very selective. And I mean, I like see, this is the one thing, though, about the Old Testament is that it's all about how the Israelites are dumb as fuck. <laughs> and then God, you know, uh, punishes them for it. Yeah. And then they regain their senses. And then it's like rinse and repeat. Yeah, and, and they do this over and over and over again. It's really, really pitiful. So I, that's why I don't, I don't get why people would say, "Oh, there's this whole criterion of embarrassment for like the historicity of like the New Testament in general." Like, oh, why would they have Christ crucified? That's embarrassing. It's like, no, it's it's not. Did you Israelites read the Old Fucking embarrass themselves. Yeah, all the time in the yeah. Old Testament. It, the Old Testament should be Israelites fuck up again. Like, that <laughs> should be the subtitle of the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> true. Um, so, and, and I do, I do find it really interesting that they name yet another God. Well, yeah, because like the, the early, um, you know, Israelite, um, theology or whatnot was, it was not traditionally monotheistic. It was more, um, I can't remember what the word is, but it, it's this type of thing where they acknowledge these other gods exist 
but they, they choose to follow this one. They choose to follow one God. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's kind of the situation here. And you can see it a lot in these writings as well as the past writings that we've been over and the writings that, we'll, that we will go over. They acknowledge the existence of these other gods and um, I guess the other gods' inabilities to do anything. And that's why the Israelites, you know, serve Yahweh is because Yahweh actually does stuff supposedly, whereas the other gods don't. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, okay, so continuing on, um, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed the Gilead and Manasseh, passed through Mizpah. <laughs> what? The spirit of the Lord came on Jeff. Yeah, he did. <laughs> go, go ahead. From there, he advanced against the Ammonites and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. If you give me the Ammonites into, or if you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Ooh. Yes, I don't know what he thinks is going to come out of the house, but it's probably not going to be good. My guess is a cow, because I'm fairly <laughs> certain that was a Thursday. They keep cows in the house on Thursdays. <laughs> is that what they do? Well, yeah, obviously. I don't think I so. Mean. So then Jephthah went over to fight the Ammonites. The Lord gave them into his hands. He devastated 20 towns from Aroer to the vicinity of Minnith. As far as Abel Karamim, thus Israel subdued Ammon. Okay, so um, just a little bit of a side note here. Um, <clears throat> Christian apologists paint this as a foolish vow to make, but it's only foolish because it's an attempt to manipulate God is how they actually paint it. And any attempts to manipulate God is going to backfire on you. Why and do so, they say it's an attempt to manipulate God? Because it just seems like he's saying, hey, you be with me and I will sacrifice something to you for your basically for you being and staying with us. Well, it's it's because you're making that deal with God. It's 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 comparable to like, I don't know. I don't know if you were like this, but when I was growing up, I'd be like, hey, God, if you would just let me pass this test. I promise every Sunday my ass will be in those pews. Like, you know, it's like, it's like that. And it's, it's an attempt to ma uh, manipulate God because you're basically saying, Hey God, you change your plans or you do this for me. And I promise that I'll do whatever. But you know? Christians do that all the time. Oh, well, they do. I but mean, that's what prayer is basically a plea to change God's plan. Like well, you wouldn't need to pray. If you were just going to trust in God and his plan, you don't need to pray. Well, true. I mean, that's, that's how, like, I know I was brought up doing that as well, but like, at least as far as like current apologetics go, they actually teach you. And even I remember this as, as like a, a little Catholic boy, like in, in the Catholic school, <laughs> they teach you don't, pray for specific things like to pass tests or whatnot. You pray for God to give you strength. You pray for all these, you know, inanimate like things. Okay. Like have strength or have faith or to be strong or for some reason, I don't know. But um, you basically pray for things like that. You don't Patience. pray for, yeah, you don't pray for gotcha. specific things to happen. And this is, you pray for instance. virtues. Right. And this this right here is him basically praying to get an A on a test. <laughs> Listen, I promise I'll burn my hamster if you <laughs> if you let me get an A on this test. And it's like, Jimmy, why are you burning the hamster? 
Well, so it's interesting because it doesn't work out too well for him, does it? No, it doesn't. All right. So when Jephthah returns to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourines? She was his only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter, which is what only child means. So I'm not really sure why they felt the need to explain that further. Uh, you know, they perceived the future thing of multiple genders. And so they only wanted those genders to be included. Oh, OK. Uh, <laughs> when he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried. I mean, that's what I do. I mean, every time I see Xander and I promise to God that I'd burn my son, I mean, I'd tear my clothes off and get naked. <laughs> <laughs> Please, the the attorneys want everybody to know that GE has never promised to sacrifice his son. Or to tear my clothes off in front of my son. Yeah, that's weird. That's weird, too. So he cried out, oh, my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. Oh, yes. It's the daughter's fault. Yeah. How dare you walk outside the house, bitch? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my father, she replied, you have given your word to the Lord. Do you suppose? Sorry, I'm just a side note. Do you suppose like he was tired of his wife and he was like, that bitch needs to go. <laughs> and so he was like, she's going to be the first one out the house. I'll make this deal with God. I'll get rid of her and say I had to do it because it was a deal. It was an offering to God. And then I get myself a new bitch. It, do you think that was maybe I don't know maybe maybe he was hoping <laughs> like maybe a servant would be the first one like maybe the servants would be out in the field or be walking outside the house like I, I, I really don't know I don't know so uh, anyway my father she replied you have given your word to the Lord do to me as just as you promised now that the Lord has avenged you of your enemies the Ammonites but grant me this one request she said Give me two months to roam the hills and weep with my friends because I will never marry. She'll oh, yes. never get that vitamin D. Oh, yes. I find out I'm going to die in two months and I'm going to weep because I'll never be married. That's her. That's her problem. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, like, I would think that the whole dying part, like, I don't know, even in the commentaries that I looked up in preparation for this episode. I mean, it literally like I'm reading right off of the page right here. Jeff's oath was foolish and he should not have kept it. Like even, even the Christians were like, this was a dumbest fuck thing to do. <laughs> but he, but he did. Yeah. And, uh, I, I find it interesting how even the, even the Christians are like, no, he shouldn't have, like, I don't like, he shouldn't have, like they can't bring themselves to agree with the Bible on this point. I'm betting fundamentalist will, but like the current like mainstream apologetics around it is just like mm, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> well, so it's interesting how they word this from here on out. Are you ready? And we'll talk about it after I finish. Yeah. Um, but so you may go, he said, and he let her go for two months. She and the girls went into the hills and wept because she would never marry. After the two months, she returned to her father and he did to her as he had vowed. And she was a virgin. So it's interesting that. Even in the Bible, they can't bring themselves as much as they repeat. They can't bring themselves to say he killed her and burned her body on an altar. She was killed and then burned. Yeah. Because that's how burn offerings work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He sacrificed her and then he burned her body. He, pro he probably had to cut up like basically how burnt offerings work. If you remember back in the new test or sorry, the, the books of uh, Moses, they have to cut out certain parts and 
that is definitely not about humans. It's about animals, like different so, animals and the and the pieces that they cut out and burn and then the pieces that they can eat and whatever. So I don't really know the rules for sacrificing humans because human sacrifice is not a thing that well, has really been practiced among the Israelites. Well, well, no, well, I mean, it kind of was once before yeah, with Abraham and Isaac. So, I mean, basically... Abraham was just going to, you know, stab little Isaac and then burn his body. Yeah. He wasn't going to, like, cut anything out. So I think that. Yeah, I mean, with Abraham and Isaac, he did. He built the altar. He tied the kid to the altar and it already had the kindling. And so he was going to kill him and then set his body on fire. So I'm not sure exactly if I'm not sure how this would have how this worked. They don't go into any details, obviously, because it's ridiculous and terrible. It is very ridiculous and terrible. Um, but the the modern apologetics surrounding it is about how you make promises to Christ um, and they connect all of this to Christ. Um, like uh, talking about how you confessed your faith to Christ, uh, declared yourself for Jesus and praised God and everything like that. Like it, it, it's just about, you know, how you should stick with your promises and commitments and stuff like that. Like, yeah. I mean, even though they just said like he shouldn't have done this, but <laughs> I mean, he, they also emphasize that the vow was foolish. So don't make foolish vows. Don't try to manipulate God. Stick with the Jesus dick. <laughs> well, and so it's interesting because from this whole thing comes a is an Israelite custom where each year young women from Israel go out for four days, like to frolic and play and have girls time and whatever, uh, to commemorate the daughter of Jephthah the Gideon. Have have girl time should be read as scissoring. No, that's not only what girls do. (laughs) That's not only what they do. (laughs) They also fist. No, no. (laughs) Maybe they just went shopping. (laughs) Maybe they just went shopping. (laughs) You don't know. (laughs) Okay, honey. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, that happened. She's dead. Moving on. Look, all I know is is that if I went four days and was like, hey, we're going to go fishing for four days, don't call. That would be suspicious as fuck. I would not automatically think that you and Godless Iowan were butt fucking. (laughs) Okay. Love you, Godless Island. <laughs> okay. So uh, now we're just changing subjects altogether. We're starting Judges chapter 12. All right. You ready? Okay. So the men of Ephraim called out uh, called out their forces and crossed Zaphon uh, and said to Jephthah, why did you go and fight the Ammonites without calling us to go with you? We're going to burn down your house over your head. So they're pissed. They're allies. They're right. allies, and the Ephraims are mad because the the Gilead Gileadites didn't call them to go fight with them. I feel like this is like the Brosefs coming over, like, "Yo, man, why didn't you call us over for the for the fist fight where we yeah. you fucked up those people, huh?" Yeah, because they want glory. So, so that is exactly what happened. Okay, and this is not the first time it's happened. The Ephraims have been left out before, and they've been mad about it before. So, Jeff, the answered. I and my people were engaged in a great struggle with the Ammonites. And although I called, you didn't save me out of their hands. When I saw that you wouldn't help, I took my life.
life in my hands and crossed over to fight the Ammonites. And the Lord gave me the victory over them. Now, why have you come up today to fight me? So Jephthah says, we did call you and you didn't come. So who knows what happened there? Massive miscommunication. Either way, Jephthah decides to call together the men of Gilead and fight against Ephraim. The Gileadites struck them down because the Ephraimites had said, you, Gilead, you Gileadites are renegades from, the Eph, from Ephraim and Manasseh. The Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan, uh, uh, leading to Ephraim. And whenever a survivor of Ephraim said, let me cross over, the men of Gilead asked him, are you an Ephraimite? If he replied, no, basically he is, but he's lying. They said, all right, say Shibboleth. So this was a language test. And basically it's hard to, it's a little difficult to explain, but um, the Ephraimites, either their, their dialect or their, um, their accent or whatever, they could not pronounce the S-H sound. Shh. So when they asked them to say Shibboleth, if the person who was trying to cross the river river said Sibboleth and not Shibboleth, um, then he seized him and killed him in the fords of the Jordan. Uh, 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at this time. Because of pronunciation Nazis. Yeah. Basically. Yep, they were trying to kill them all out. <laughs> So Jephthah led Israel for six years uh, and then he died and was buried in the town of Gilead. So interesting note here, the term shibboleth therefore came into the English language as something which determines what side you were on. Yes. In modern English usage, shibboleth is the same as an acid test. Yeah. Is that like, you know, the trippy kind of acid test? Or? No, I don't know. I don't know what an acid test is, but I know it's like it's like a test. Um, the way it's used now comes from the the biblical story here. Mm -hmm. um, a custom principle or belief distinguishing a particular class or group of people, especially a longstanding one regarded as out, outmoded or not, no longer important. Right. I don't, uh, do you want me to look up what an acid test is? No, no, no. I kind of want to know, though. Okay, so an acid test is a, it's, it's actually called the acid test ratio. It's a strong indicator of whether a firm has sufficient short-term assets to cover its immediate liabilities. I don't think that's what they're talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, to confirm that a find was gold, it was given the acid test. A test sample was used to mark a touchstone to the degree it was dissolved. So I don't know. I guess for all intents and purposes, it's just a it's a test to indicate whether or not whatever you're testing is legitimate. So they were testing whether or not these people were um, Ephraimites. And if they were, they would say it wrong. Mm -hmm. If they were Gileadites, they would say it right. So that was an easy way for them to distinguish who was who. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so now we have three more judges to talk about really quick. They're minor and um, yeah. Okay, so after him, uh, Jephthah, mm -hmm. Ibzan of Bethlehem led Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters. He gave his daughters away in marriage to those outside of his clan. 
and for his sons he brought in 30 young women as wives from outside his clan. Ibzan led Israel seven years, then he died and was buried in Bethlehem. Oh, okay, see, I misunderstood earlier. I thought that the guy brought in 30 wives for him. No, 30, 30 wives for his, his sons. sons. But they are hoes from different area codes. Well, that is accurate. Just saying. Um, okay. <laughs> so the next one, uh, after Ibzan, we have Elon, the Zebulonite. He led Israel for 10 years. Then he died and was buried in Aishalon, the land of Zebulun. Oh, wow. It e says Elon, nothing about him. Elon Musk is in the Bible, <laughs> along with Jared Kushner. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, then the last one is Abdon. After Elon, Abdon, son of Hillel from Pirathon, led Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys. He led Israel for eight years. Then Abdon, son of Hillel, died. He was buried in Pirathon in, in Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. Okay. All right. So that's all we're going to go over this week for Judges. Oh, okay. Yeah. We still have, I think, the last judge to go over, Samson, which will be done in a few weeks, a couple weeks maybe. Uh, yeah, we have we have Ruth this, this next week. Ruth. Yeah. We have Ruth next week, and then we have Samson the week after that. So we're going to go over Samson. We also have, um, coming up, we have Micah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to find out what happens to the Danites and the Benjamites. You know, I always just sort of view the Danites as just being very chilled, relaxed <laughs> on the couch kind of thing. Perhaps. I don't know. Dan just seems to be like a very relaxed kind of tribe. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to find out. We're going to find out what happens to them. And then this is going to be over the next month, month and a half. We're going to go through the story of Ruth and the rest of Judges. And uh, we'll summarize Judges at the end. And then we'll move into, I think, Samuel's next, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll move into Samuel. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Well, I hope that you guys will tune in next week for a part of Ruth, uh, the Ruth that is chronologically in order with um, judges, apparently. Mm -hmm. And um, then we'll be talking about Samson. So hope you guys will tune in for that. Don't forget to leave those comments down below. Mm -hmm. We would love to hear all those lovely conversations and interact with you there. Yes. And if you are not a member of the YouTube channel or a uh, patron on Patreon, part of our Skeptic Mafia, um, you can become a member on YouTube. It, there's a button next to the subscribe button that's a join button. And um, we have a, our pre-show meeting that we do where we go over all of this and we talk about some current events. And so we do that. And if you want to join here on YouTube or on Patreon, you can do that and you'll have access to that. Awesome. Uh, yes, so do do that. Become part of the Skeptic Mafia, and you get all sorts of great perks here on the YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess we'll be seeing you heathens later. Don't forget to stand up and use your voice. Bye, heathens. Bye, y'all.